96th episode of the West Coast Preps podcast. We're nearing 100, so you got to let us know what we're doing for our 100th episode. A party, something crazy, a watch party, something we got to do for it. We'll figure I'll, it I'll out. Tell maybe. what it's not going to be. It's not going to be at the World Series. No, it is not going to be at the World Series, Greg. San Francisco Giants, so eliminated by the Los Angeles Dodgers on Thursday night in game number five. I don't know if Greg is recovered from that loss quite. When will you recover? That's a tough one to recover from. Then the Patriots lose the way they lost. It was a bad week. It's been a bad week. It's been a bad that was, week. That was a crazy game. Like Trayvon Diggs with that pick six. Next play, you attack him. Safety attacks it, then you get the touchdown. Holy crap. Patriots might win this, but no. Yes. Yeah. The way it goes, you've had plenty of goals in the World Series titles. I don't think anybody's going to feel bad for your franchises right now. Everyone's so mean. Everyone just hates me just because my teams are winners. They've always won. Nobody's going to feel bad if they eventually lose. Uh, it's like when Alabama – anybody feels bad when Alabama football loses? Everyone's just got to talk crap to me for, for no reason, you know. I'm a sensitive dude. Uh, I don't appreciate. Hey, it. I I love the Warriors. I I love the Warriors, so I'm all with you on them. No, anyway, but we got a weekend of. High school. I think you could say it, the most exciting weekend of high school football. If not, it's up there from what we've had this season with the upsets. You have the Northern California Power Folsom goes down. We're going to get into that in a minute. You were at Clayton Valley, San Juan Valley. Obviously, another crazy game on that side. Antioch is just balling right now. Antioch's one of the most improved teams. They've had some success over the last decade, as you guys know. Some of the players that came up through that program, now the Steelers starting running back, Najee Harris. You had that game. Just so much happened this week. You had Sacred Heart Cathedral knocked off Bellarmine. Just another day in the West Catholic Athletic League out there, too. First off, though, Greg, just initial takeaways and thoughts from this weekend we had in the Bay Area in Northern California. I'm I halfway called that Sacred Heart Cathedral. I talked about it on the last podcast last week. At they're a lot better than what their record showed, and then they go out and beat a top ten team. So, um, you know, GMT guarantee never fails. You know, once again, putting up W's all the time, every week. But what? <laughs> What a wild week. There was. The takeaways is that what we talked about a little bit last week is this is one of the craziest high school seasons, and every team is closer than we've ever seen before. The, the yeah, top 25 has been a revolving chair of, okay, who played well this week and, and who got a win. Where it, we last year, I mean – in the spring, obviously, totally super weird year. It was quite consistent. You know, you, you didn't see a whole lot of changes. You saw the the bottom ten. Maybe you saw quite a few changes, but the top fifteen stayed the same. And this year, you have seen the revolving door of new top five teams, new top ten teams, new. I mean, every single week, you you have to go on westcoastpreps.com and figure out. Who's even in the rankings? I think the top four has been fairly consistent other than the De La Salle loss, but it's been just a revolving door. It's It's been crazy. And this Bellarmine losing to Sacred Heart Cathedral, I don't think anyone thought coming into that game that Bellarmine would lose. 
Sacred Heart Cathedral's got a lot of talent on that team, a great coaching staff that's changed that culture. But to beat a program like Bellarmine was huge for them because they beat Save Nations the week before our program. Obviously, like SI, that's had a lot of success two years ago, won nine games in 2019 during that full season. Showed some flashes and great things there in the spring. Bellarmine's offense comes in that spread attack with Wade Smith and Ben Path. Unbelievable offense, what they've done all year. They held Wade Smith to 45% completion percentage, three picks and zero touchdowns. Ben Paff, 11 carries on 40 yards. Bellarmine as a team averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Sacred Heart Cathedral's defense stepped up in that game to hold one of the best offenses in California, one of the most well-coached offenses in the region, to 13 points, three interceptions is huge. They've got two straight ones under their belt. You had seen week one in the game where you could argue maybe could have, should have be Sacred Art Prep. Now they're really getting the pieces together this year. They've really got it going into the biggest stretch of the season of their final three games of this regular season. Sacred Art Cathedral is making noise. They're now 2-2 two and two in league play. They've got Reardon coming up this week. Then that next week, to end the regular season, they play Sarah on a Thursday night. Sarah without Hassan Mahasin. Sacred Heart Cathedral's made noise. They've had a lot of one-score losses. Lost 28-21 in Sacred Heart Prep. Lost 14-7 to to Palma from Salinas. That's got the great quarterback in Luke Rossi. Lost 17-7 to to an undefeated Burlingame squad. They lost to St. Francis, the number one team in Northern California. The team that, as we all know, knocked off Sparty. And they could have beat Valley Christian, but Valley Christian gets a late score. They lose to Valley Christian 27-21. Then they beat St. Ignatius 21-20. Now that one over Bellarmine 20 to 13. Yeah. I, the WCAL has been crazy this year. You talk about Valley Christian, they they barely lost on with the Jerry on Dickey being Jerry on Dickey touchdown. But Sarah only won by one touchdown this past weekend against Valley Christian. So the WCAL is really any given Friday, you know, or sometimes Saturday for them as well. It, there's there's no rhyme or reason as to why someone wins a game in that in that league, and I think Sarah was the clear cut favorite in my opinion, um, even even over St. Francis when they had a son, but without a son, you know, it's it's a coin toss every week. It is, and you look at it from top to bottom. Sacred Heart Cathedral for a little bit in this league this year was at the bottom. Didn't have a win yet. They've got two straight. There's really no gap. They talk about this. You hear in a college basketball, the Big 12, there's no real gap between the top and the bottom. The SEC, for most parts in the divisions, there's not a real gap between number one and number four in some spots. And it's the same way in the WCAL with the way that's going. It's like the EBAL mountain. So much there. Sacred Heart Cathedral gets that big win. They're now two and five overall, two and two in late play. Santa Teresa beat Leland. Leland was five and one. You saw Leland get that big one over Okra of the week before. Leland's top running back ran for 74 yards on 27 carries. Santa Teresa's defense held them to just over 130 total yards against an offense with some playmakers. Great running back, great receiver, great offensive line to do that to them was huge. Steve Pavin doing a great job there. And then the other one in Northern California is Folsom, the previous number one team in Northern California. But then they lose to De La Salle, the game that you went to a week and a half ago. You watched De La Salle just get up early on them and take control early. Folsom loses to Rockland 40-7, to a shock. You look at the box score, the yardage difference is really crazy. 
Rockland averaged 2.4 yards per carry, threw for 211 yards. Folsom threw for 238 yards, but Folsom only ran for 12 yards and 25 carries. Half a yard per carry. The difference, though, if you win the turnover battle, 85 90% of the time you're winning that football game. And what happens? Rockland forces four turnovers. Austin Adams, Caleb Larson, Elias Mullikin, and Teak Sloan each get picks in this ball game. They intercepted that phenom sophomore quarterback at Folsom three times in his first real varsity action because he was a JV quarterback starting going into this year and the starter for much of the senior at JV. And he's got an Oregon offer, some other Division one offers, Cal Nevada, Carter Marinelli, those they combine those guys for four interceptions. The whole of Folsom offense that routinely puts six points a night when Tyler Chemain, the starter, now he's hurt. Rico Flores, top athlete in America, the top tight ends, Walker Lions. To hold an offense like that to seven points and force four turnovers and hold Folsom to nine first downs on 61 total plays. Yeah, I, this was a shocker. And um, you have multiple All-Americans on that offense, as in Rico Flores <laughs> and Walker Lyons. Like, it, I know Austin Mack, obviously probably the best JV quarterback out there, but his first real varsity game, everyone, no one expects you to come out and, and be amazing. The game's a lot quicker. Um, they're different athletes. It, it's not an easy task to just be like, oh, look, you're playing JV. You're doing well down there. Why don't you just come up here and and play? So um, looks like we lost Chris. Chris, you still there? Uh, and we will try and get Chris back. But just to kind of fin- finish the thought on Folsom, um, yeah, they have just – they've been the, the class of, of that region in Sacramento, and it goes back again to an historic year. Um, this this is the version of De La Salle losing in in that area. So it it's been uh, it's been wild. It's Chris, welcome back. Thank you. I am back after some technical difficulties, but I am officially back. All right. So I, what I was saying while you were gone, though, is it's been an historic year. Right? The Folsom losing is the equivalent of De La Salle losing up here. You know, in that Sacramento region, it, they don't lose, you know. So it, it just goes back to how crazy historic of a year this is. And, and I know we're talking about Austin, just how the game is different from JV to varsity and while we we're surprised at Folsom loss, I, I don't think I'm shocked by his first varsity performance. No, I don't think the Folsom coaches were probably that shocked with it either. If you're there, there's really not a big age gap between JV and varsity, a year, two years with seniors and sophomores, but it's not huge. But you watch, we're there early. We see some of JV games. You see that compared to varsity, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. The talent level, the athleticism. It's it's way it's so much different. It's way way faster for a ball game, and it was Austin Max first start. We know how much he's worked, how much time he's put in with guys like Lamad, and then early mornings, late nights. But to then just go into a varsity game, you get moved up from JV to varsity mid-season for week number eight, just a couple of weeks before the playoffs. That's hard, especially when Folsom's had the starting quarterback like Tyler Tremaine, 
that through 27 touchdown passes in a shortened spring season, what he was doing this year to now you're getting thrown into the fire for that. That's not going to be an easy situation for anybody. I don't care who you are, what you're going to do. There's not a whole lot of quarterbacks in America, if any, that I think could make that transition look easy unless they're playing division one football right now or they're an NFL quarterback. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. And it's not like Rockland is a bad team. Not exactly well equipped to, to say exactly how their season is going as we focus more on the Bay Area. But they're not a bad team from what I've heard. And and we talked on that Twitter spaces, which has been super fun uh, on, on Friday nights uh, when, you know, a lot of the, the Bay Area, North, Northern California writers hop on there on Twitter. But we talked about just kind of how this affects some of the losses and De La Salle's win. You know, Pitt went up there and loses week one. De La Salle was just there last week, you know, and that looks like an amazing win, but this makes it look like a lesser of a win. It makes it look like a lesser of a loss. So, you know, it, it does affect a little bit of the, the outlook on some of these teams. Uh, we just talked about Dela, how it was a statement win over the number one team in Northern California at the time. But then you look at it, was it was it really? Like, were they really the best team in Northern California? So... It's it's weird how you look at that. Now, how does that change the landscape of the top teams in Northern California? Who would be those top four to five teams in Northern California right now? I, I mean, I heard multiple people say that they thought St. Francis was better than, than Folsom from just watching the game, just kind of sit on the sideline overhearing conversations and whatnot. Um, so St. Francis is, is definitely... But they're undefeated, and they beat De La Salle, and De La Salle beat Folsom. So just by looking at resumes, they're they're the number one team. Um, you know, the Hassan injury, I, we talk about it all the time because it's probably the biggest story that's coming out of the Bay Area, at least one of them this year, is him getting hurt. But that changes the whole landscape because they're probably three um, with, with Pitt coming up four. I mean, that's probably your top four teams still but it just gets a little more murky now. Yeah, Northern California, look at it. St. Francis is number one because they've got that one over De La Salle, and De La Salle's got the one over Folsom. De La Salle's there too, but Sarah's probably not far behind at three between these guys. And if Hassan's there, that might change these numbers a little bit because a healthy Hassan Mahasan, one of the greatest Padres of all time. And that should say something because Tom Brady's went there. You've got the David Bakhtiari. What is it? Is it the David Bakhtiari press box or the stadium field, whatever they name it? But both of their names are there. The names they've had roll through Sarah to be greats for football there. All you need to know about character and his talents. And I would think Folsom would be number four in Northern California. And Pitt, because I lost to Folsom, yeah. is number, number five. But Folsom also losing to Rockland. How does that change the numbers here? But Folsom also doesn't have a starting quarterback, and you're throwing – you know, guys that really haven't made varsity starts before into it. So how does that affect the outlooks on other teams? Because Pitt played Folsom with the full roster, and Rockland beats Folsom not to take away from Rockland's win, but that game's Folsom's at least probably in that game with Tyler Jermaine starting that ball game because he's had that experience for a couple of years as a varsity starting quarterback. Yeah, and the great thing is, is we still got you know a few more weeks yeah. until the regular season ends. So all these questions will be will be answered here soon, and. Uh, can't wait for playoffs. I know we were talking about it what last night 
how you know trying to set up things for state and you know what what our plans are are for that and i can't can't wait to see some playoff football if greg and i will be at the state championship both of us we're gonna have a fun time who knows what we do what stupidity we do on these fields together who who the heck even knows but it's gonna be a fun one sarah you know, even without Hassan Mahasin, a big one over Valley Christian, they go up big early. Valley Christian comes back, but when you've got players like a Jackson Berman, a fantastic leader, visited the University of San Diego over the weekend. It was that was also his first Division One offer last month. You've got him and Jerry on Dickey. You've, you're never out of that ball game. Sarah though, Dominic Lampkin, he's six of nine, 130 passing yards. Patello Gibb, that senior running back, do it all guy. He was he looked like Hassan Mahasin. I watched the film of this game, 15 carries of a, for 134 yards a touchdown, then four catches for 123 yards. And you were there for that Bellarmine game when he had, what was it, 172 yards on 11 carries? Yeah, I mean, he broke two big runs uh, for touchdowns um, in, in that game. And it, almost as soon as Hassan went out, he stepped up. And, and that's the kind of thing you need when, when you lose someone, other people step up and he's... He's the one that is is stepping up, and I know everyone butchers his name. I know he pronounced it correctly when I interviewed him, but that's why people just call him GI because no one can can pronounce his name correctly. Uh, so GI that that that's his nickname. That's what we're gonna go with. Um, but it it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun couple of weeks, and we haven't even got into you know another top ten upset as in Clayton Valley. Uh, beating San Ramon Valley this weekend and just kind of going through through that game real quick. I don't know how Clayton Valley loses sometimes because they just dominate time of possession. The, the whole third quarter, right, 12-minute quarters, San Ramon Valley gets the ball first in that second half. They, you know, I think got one first down or went three and out. Their drive mm-hmm. essentially lasted about a minute and a half. And, and I wish I looked up at the clock a couple more times to, to know exactly. But Clayton Valley Charter had the ball the rest of the third quarter. And they didn't score yet. And, and so for 11 minutes, and then on the first or second play of the fourth quarter, they finally score. They had the ball for 11 minutes. And Quigley and that offense is just sitting over on the sideline with nothing they, they can do. They just can't do anything about it. Because that's just how the ugly Eagles play. And it's and you can, amazing to watch. You could say it's ugly. Maybe it's not that high tempo spread offense. But when that thing's effective in running it, it's in harmony. It's almost one of the more beautiful offenses, at least to me, that I've watched. Because the way that offensive line, the guards pull, the tackles destroy people. You've got Rasan Woodlands, just a workhorse. You've got the sophomore, like Micah Avery, coming in. You've got a tough quarterback like Brendan Bush, who, by the way, I want to give a lot of credit to him in a minute because he's one of the toughest kids I've ever covered out here. Nicholas Kashabi. It's just beautiful offense, the way they run, and their defense is good. They control top of possession. 63 plays they ran, eight passes, 55 runs for 285 yards, and they average 5.2 yards per carry. They get five yards every play. That's going to run the clock down. They start the ball at the 20-25, 80 yards, five yards per play. You're running. 12, 13 play drives before you eventually score and you run that clock. Meanwhile, San Ramon Valley, 24 passes, 18 runs, 63 plays for Clayton Valley, 
42 for San Ramon Valley in that ballgame. Anytime Clayton Valley's won, they've controlled it. They even controlled the ball on the clock against Cal, but Cal has some big plays. They come out there. They get some fourth down stops, and if you get fourth down stops and Clayton Valley punted, I think, which you never see a coach like Tim Murphy do. He doesn't punt, but it's worked. You can criticize that, but it's worked. He's done it at his own 10-yard line. It's worked. They won state titles with it. I've seen that guy go for fourth downs time and time again. He gets it 90 95% of the time. You know what's coming. You know that screen pass coming. But they, the way they block on that, the way they block with Brisson, whether Brendan Bush decides to keep it, they get it because they get themselves in the fourth in manageable situations and they win most of those ball games. And what did they do again? They beat San Ramon Valley to show you the EBL Mountain is really, there's a one point difference because Cal is in first place. They beat Clayton Valley by one. Monavis is in first place. They beat Amador Valley by three over the weekend in their crazy games. There's so much going on. But who was the best player? Who really stood out from this game, too? Give me some of your takeaways and thoughts from this game and who stood out because I saw that play that Hail Mary, you saw every single snap. But every time I've watched Brendan Bush, that kid needs to get a chance to play somewhere. Yeah, I mean, Brendan Bush obviously is the easy answer um, just because the way he handles himself. But, you know, as I'm standing there in, in the post-game huddle where Tim Murphy is talking to the team and and he was upset about the final play, some, some effort things. But once he got through his teaching points that I was trying to get through, he was like, look, this was the most unselfish game you guys have ever played. No one asked for the ball on the team. No one said, I'm not getting enough touches. It was all about winning football. So it's hard to say that one person stands out because the whole team just kind of came together and did it. Obviously, Brendan Bush is the easy one. Uh, Cody Martini made the catch on that Hail Mary, which really changed the game. I, I mean, if you look back at that game, it allowed Clayton Valley to run the clock out and and just take the timeout from the game because they had the lead going into the into the second half. So um, that play was the game changer and probably maybe the play of the year. I, I know we've had a couple candidates now here with some crazy plays. Um, Quigley, we talk about it a ton. Um, I don't know how he does it. He just finds a way to make plays. He scrambles and just extends the play and it keeps extending and extending. When you think he's going down, he somehow finds his way out. Uh, Salisbury had another good game. Um, Woodland had another good game. I mean, but when you just look at Clayton Valley, it was unselfishness. And that's what won them this game. And that's how they're going to win Evolve this year is playing unselfishly because everyone else led. The main difference I saw in this game was after Clayton Valley goes on their 11-minute drive, SRV comes back and scores in a minute and a half. I mean, there's the difference between these these two rosters, and Monta Vista and Cal are much more like SRV than they are like Clayton Valley, where they can score in a minute, a minute and a half. So if Clayton Valley is going to win, they're going to continue to play unselfish ball, and it's going to take a full-team effort from wide receivers, running backs, linemen, buying into a hard style of football. You know, it's it's not easy to run up the middle every single time for these running backs. And it's not easy if you're a wide receiver. You know, you get two targets a game, you got to make, make do with what you get sometimes. And with Clayton Valley, you know what's coming. I've seen them do this in practice and games so much. Rasad runs to the right of 
Brendan Bush. Then he does the counter play where he goes into the backfield out of the, then takes that counter. He goes for eight to 10 yards. You know, it's coming. You know, that screen's coming that I talked about on those fourth downs, but they execute it. It's that unselfish football where everybody wants to do it. The offensive line. I know the big boys never get enough credit, but Clayton Valley's offensive line is one of the best ones I have seen as a unit together. Samuel Valley is one of the best too with Jackson Brown. They've got so many guys up there doing it. Montavistas, Cal's, Clayton Valley's just executes so well. And it's crazy because they score. It's a long drive. Then we, I saw it with Cal too. They run a flea flicker. Another play later, they score a two, three play drive. That's the way they're scoring. They're getting quick two minute drives to score. But Clayton Valley runs 10 minutes off the clock. And if you don't score on Clayton Valley once or twice, you pretty much are out of that ballgame. We've yeah, seen exceptional, but. That's why Clayton Valley's been a state champion. That's why they won the EBAL Mountain in the spring. And that's why, again, they are a top 10 team in the Bay Area because of their coaching staff, the way that Nick Tisa and Tim Murphy are working just in harmony as co-ed coaches. And I think that's spilling into this group. And we talked in our last podcast about that practice I was at when they called out the seniors to really step it up because he saw the potential and the greatness and the leadership there. And now they're getting it from every. In that group, everybody is stepping up, and you saw it. Because Rasan Woodland, he has a big day in this game. 25 carries, 132 yards. But Nicholas Kashabi, who we've seen really burst onto the scene since that Benicia game, 10 carries for 75 yards. Brennan Bush, a quarterback, 62 rushing yards, 81 passing yards. Cody Martini has a couple of catches. Then Alex Bush, Casey Forrester, and Leighton Helfrick each have catches in that ball game as well. Yeah, like I said, it was, it was an unselfish effort, and if you're a wide receiver, you get a couple targets, but they make their chances worth it. Uh, you know, they catch the ball, they don't drop, they don't make mistakes, and I think that's the hard thing. If you're playing Saramon Valley and you make a mistake, they're going to capitalize it because they don't make them. So it's it's going to be interesting. I, I we're going to talk about this this division so many more times because every week it, it's going to change as to who. Who's our favorite? Who's who's going to be the best? And Cal Montevist to go at it this week, and basically the battle for for first place for this week at least in, in that one. So it, I think that we, we will have this conversation many more times about each and every single one of these teams that's in that division right now. So uh, one other team that I I know we'll we'll skip forward um, to is, is Antioch. Uh, we, we mentioned it a little bit last week about some of our sleeper teams that, that have come through and, and kind of just been under the radar. I don't think they're under the radar anymore. I, I know Deer Valley has, has struggled the last few years, but the way they won that game on Saturday that I got to go to was, was impressive. And they continue to have wins, and now they go into you know a little bit more harder of a schedule going to Heritage next week, who's... Looks like they're starting to figure things out as well with that with that young team. But man, Antioch, the amount of stories that come out of that that team. Obviously, Najee is the big one, but you know the story that just went up today uh, about the twins and the brothers and and their father. Uh, go read that one. It, it's it's a great story. Just those kids. Just go look at the interview. Uh, you can see how emotional these kids and how much it means to them. Uh, I think this team is is coming together as one and you could see going back to the kind of the, the Clayton Valley, the unselfishness, you know, someone, someone gets mad at a play or, you know, someone kind of starts sparking at each other. 
immediately they're like, hey, don't do that. You're going to ruin the detriment. It's going to be a detriment to the team. Get on the sideline, figure it out, come back in the game, and make a play. And I, that's the, the biggest thing I saw from them was how disciplined they were this, this time. It's a great coaching staff, too. They've got a great assistant staff. Brett Dudley, you know, see, you've got Nike Shen, you've got the head coach, John Lucido. They've done a great job for years there, and they're going to make this BVA All Rice really interesting because they've won three straight games. They've got Heritage coming up next, who is playing so much better. Heritage, really so young, breaking a whole new starting line. Their new quarterback after Asher, Asher Haynes graduates. Jacob also doing a great job, a young sophomore starter who's got a lot of potential there. Devon Rivers, we know him. He was one of California's top rushers, just rushed for over 200 yards this past week. Antioch's got Heritage. This week at Heritage, and the next week they're at Liberty. It's just going to be a fun schedule. When they end the year with Pittsburgh in a big rivalry game and the big little game, this one's going to be – this is fun because now Antioch's 2-0 and in league play. These last three games, winning three in a row, they hold Casa Grande, the offense with Jacob Porches, Shane running that great receiving core to 12 points in a 31-12 one. They hold Freedom to 22 points. Then they shut out Deer Valley 49 to nothing in a rivalry game. Antioch is doing so many things well on both sides of the ball in that defense. Well, you've got the Moreno brothers, but you've got so much more that's really stepping up on this team. Jorge Hernandez Jr. runs for 157 yards and two touchdowns on just 12 carries. Lemarion Fountain, Fountain only passes the ball five times, 63 yards, four completions and a touchdown. He runs for 17 yards. Cameron Lingua Akahovi, 38 rushing yards on six carries. They ran just 37 plays in this ball game against their rival. And, you know, rivalry games can always go either way. It doesn't matter the difference in those teams. They score 49 points on 37 plays. And they hold Deer Valley to minus 20 rushing yards into 87 passing yards. So Deer Valley accumulates 67 total yards. Yeah, the defense played great. There was a couple penalties there that kind of fueled a drive but then they hunkered down and got a pick six on that drive um, from Keon Martin. Uh, you know, Keon Martin, Jorge Hernandez are, are two guys that, you know, maybe not a lot of people know about, um, you know, if you're not really fully paying attention. But they burst on the scene, at least at least in my eyes this season. And uh, Jorge Hernandez, who missed the first few weeks because of, because of COVID-related issues, um, he's back and he's starting to get his, his win back. He's starting to get, you know, everything all his athleticism and and all that his conditioning is back he looked amazing and he only played the first half and if you listen to the interview he's he was a little salty about it he, he wanted to get in there and score four touchdowns in that game but you know for the betterment of the team they were like all right go sit on the bench and get ready for heritage next week but that's another kid keon martin who i was looking for to interview afterwards but we definitely are gonna need to get him with an interview because he was he's a great talent um, but one thing I want to go through is their schedule. And we talk about schedule a lot. You know, who, who do you do preseason? Obviously, you know, sometimes you go teams that are evenly matched for you. At, and sometimes you just kind of go all out like, like Antioch did today or this year. California, top five team. Skyline, who's been an improvement. They go San Ramon Valley, who's been a top 10 team all year. Marin Catholic, top 15 team. Casa Grande, who's played great this year. I mean, you look at those five preseason games that they played, that's what's preparing them for this BBL play. Because they went in and they played three top 15 teams. 
in their first four weeks. And yes, they go one and three. They lose the three games to those top 15 teams. But they prepared themselves. You know, they, they kept it close with SRV. Um, you know, they, they scored some points against Cal. They scored some points against Marin Catholic. And you could see, okay, we know how good these teams are. You can see how you can perform against these teams. And, and then it comes back to a three-game winning streak after that tough stretch. So just kind of when you're going into these games, let's schedule tough opponents. And, and you're seeing it pay off for Antioch. It is, and we're going to go to some more of those teams later this week. We're going to go into Skyline later this week on our next podcast, and then teams like Camp Alundo. Skyline just pulled off a big win over Fremont-Oakland. You could have thought after Joe Bates leaves, he's now in Florida, did a great job with Skyline. Multiple Silver Bowl championship appearances, nine wins a couple of years ago in a full season. Casey Adams takes over really late in the summer. Tough situation. He's got to walk in right before the season, right? Against a tough schedule, they've got to play right out of the bat. They got to play Balboa. They've got to play Antioch. They've got to play Salesian. Salesian was undefeated before that game against El Cerrito. I'm sure they go one and two right out of the gates, but not a whole lot. They're changing up everything. A new coach right away. Now Casey Adams, an alum of Skyline. Shout out to that guy for what he's doing. Skyline now three and three. They beat a Fremont Oakland team who coming into the year was considered one of the favorites in the Oakland Athletic League next to McClyman's. They beat that. They hold that offense with a lot of Division One talents at 13 points in that ball game. To now be three and three overall going into this four-game final stretch against Castlemont, Oakland Tech, McClymans, and Oakland. Impressive job by Casey Adams and Antioch beat them too. So I think that should tell you everything you know about what Skyline's doing and also how good Antioch is doing this year as well. Two teams fun under the radar, but not for much longer. And so I want to get your prediction. We're now. What, seven weeks into the season? Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, you said Liberty was in second place in this division. I said it was Heritage. Where do you stand right now? Who, who is the second best team in BVO? I think it's still Liberty. I think because a kid like Nate Bell opens up so much for you. And I'm seeing Liberty, also another team who is really coming together. They had some changes on their staff earlier this year. It's tough to just make changes, right? All of a sudden, you've got to play some of these tough games. They had that loss to Dublin. Dublin's got a lot of experience. Liberty doesn't. They lose that game. But then they come back. They beat Bishop O'Dowd in a big one, 42-14. They beat Deer Valley, 63-0. Pittsburgh, play Pitt tight, right? Last year, that Pitt game did not go well for Liberty. This year, went better. Liberty is playing better. And I think when you've got kids like Nate Bell, you've got guys like Deuce Carr, you've got Dominic Bustos, you've got Colin Brelli on that defense, You've got that offensive line. I think you're always got a chance to win ball games. And with Nate Bell as your quarterback, anyone that's watched him play makes these ridiculous plays out of nothing. I think you always have a chance. So I think Liberty, there's going to there's gonna be some close games coming up. Trust me on that one. I still think Liberty is the number two team in the BVAL, but it's not by a lot. You know what I was just thinking? I don't think I've seen Nate Bell ever play. I don't think I've been to a Liberty I- I think that's got to change. You stole, stole my chance. I wanted to go to Heritage Liberty last year, but you went instead. I remember that. Oh, that was one of the best See? performances I've watched a kid have. See, maybe that's why I always pick against Liberty. I've just never seen him play. I think these next two weeks, people, let's make it a point that Greg goes to a Liberty game. How about that? One of these next three weeks, Greg's got to go to Liberty game. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I'm going this week because uh, – 
I, I got my games that I want to go to. That I'll we'll put in the where should Greg go part three on Friday morning. But that will come out Friday. We'll figure that out later. But ah, oh, I I'm struggling after seeing Antioch win and seeing what they've done the last three weeks and just basically dominating their opponents. It makes me want to put them in that conversation at number two. But they, I think they. I'm going to hold off. I, I want to see what they do against Heritage, again against the team that I still think is good. They struggled early on in the year, but I I want to see Anyak play a divisional opponent that is is formidable. So I, I'm going to hold off on my prediction. I put you on the spot, but I'm just not going to answer the question. So. I think Heritage, too, this thing you have to look at with them is their coaching staff is phenomenal with Fogelstrom. You've got a former head coach and Kevin Hartwig, the former Freedom coach there for a long time, did a great job there. Had Joe Mixon, had Ronnie Rivers, all those great players. Now he's over as an assistant for his former assistant at Freedom. Funny how that all comes first full circle all these years later. You've got Devon and Ronnie Rivers' father is on that step. They've got a great assistant staff with a lot of experience. That head coach, they've really got the buy-in, but they were so young. And with the short and off season, you're not really going to have a normal football season again until I think next year with the normal off season again with that. So it's a lot of these teams like Heritage are going to take longer to really get going. And Liberty was going to take some time to get going too and get that cohesiveness. Now they are Antioch's getting that too. So is Heritage. So this BVL race is one of the more intriguing ones that's not being talked about as much, but I think should be. And we're going to – we'll definitely try to get out to one of these games over these next couple weeks. we got to have Greg see a Liberty game coming up because I know he's going to have fun. I know we have – he and Ted Addison, that, those assistants, going back and forth, having some fun. Hey, Don't you know worry, what? Ted. I will go if I get that barbecue. That That's – Ted Okay, you know what? We're going to tweet at him. He did say that he would buy us drinks and barbecue after the season. He did say that. There you he go. said he would take skaters and get that. So he, he's got to hold true to his word. But I do believe he will hold true because what do we do? We got him to pay for favors meal when he yeah. should have had that. And got that convincing. I've also talked to a, I'm just a photographer at games that grew up with Ted. I'm not going to mention his name. Ted probably knows. Says Ted is... Quote, unquote, a little cheap. A little wow. cheap. And not want to pay. You know what? I know Ted knows it's all funny games, but Ted, you've been, you've been called out. You've been called a little cheap by some people. I mean, you could say I called him that too because he wasn't going to pay for favor. But this may cause some hostility, some resentment. We, we may be banned from Liberty High School going forward, but it's all for the kids. This podcast has gone off the rails. We, we have it has. We have lost this podcast, and we are – uh, in the moment of talking about nothing and we're just rambling on about absolutely nothing. I think this is a good place to end this podcast. We'll get into more of Skyline, this BVAL race, Camp Lindo, a look ahead at the weekend and where our game of the week voting stands, by the way, go on our social medias. We've got the link there. Vote on game of the week. Voting is ridiculous this week. It's going crazy. Windsor Carl Newman, Monta Vista Cal, Marin Catholic, San Marin. So many great games. St. Francis Bellum and the Holy War. It's going to be a fun one. So, folks, stay tuned. Follow all of our work on social media at West Coast Preps underscore. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for interviews, highlights, everything else on there, and our podcasts. Hit us up on Apple and Spotify if you listen to the audio version of podcasts. 
Follow all of our content and work and game stories and features and rankings at West Coast Preps.